The Old Testament reading is from Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 through 12. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are in, on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples, but it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations and repays to their face those who hate him by destroying them. He will not be slack with, the, with one who hates him. He will repay him to his face. You shall therefore be careful to do the commandment and the statutes and the rules that I command you today. And because you listen to these rules and keep and do them, the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the steadfast love he swore to your fathers. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle reading is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. But you are a chosen race, a, loyal pre a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Please rise for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses is in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under a fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the gospel of the Lord. Well, hey, I, uh, I want to take you back. For some of you, it's not too far of a trip. I want you to go back to your childhood days, to that moment when it came time to pick up teams. 
whether on the school playground or in the neighborhood, but choosing sides for some athletic competition. And, and so help me out here. I'm looking for a response. First of all, the captains are chosen based on the consensus of those present. And why are those two individuals chosen? Help me out. Popular. They're good. Yeah, usually, usually they're the best of the best. There just seems to be consensus, you know, that those two are the best. That whether it be they're the most athletic, the fastest, the tallest, the biggest, the strongest, the greatest, the most popular, whatever it is. And then maybe after a you know, quick toss of the bat you know, or, or the exchange of rock, paper, scissors, the captains begin taking turns choosing the best of the rest with both sides wanting to avoid getting stuck with the worst of the worst. But as we know full well, this is not just a childhood experience, is it? This is a life experience. I mean, in professional sports, players are chosen in the draft based upon college, career, physical skill, and, and game time performance. When it comes to employment, Individuals are typically chosen based upon experience, excellence, quality, achievement, skill. And I am sure that especially if you've been on the receiving end, we would all agree, no one likes being rejected because they're not good enough. My friends, this is what makes the story and the message of God's word so radical. Today, as Pastor Max already said, we're beginning a new sermon series uh, entitled The Word Connects, and, and we're taking kind of an overview of the scriptures and focusing on how the God of the Bible, how it's a, a record of, of Almighty God's connecting with people. From the beginning to the very end, the Bible tells the story of a God who loves the people he has made. And what we especially take heart in today is how God chooses and desires all people, from the least to the greatest, to be with him. And we're going to be focusing on our Old Testament reading, which was just read. But before we get there, I want us to go back all the way to the beginning of time as we know it and, and kind of take an overview, a review of God's interaction with people. Uh, from the very moment of creation, God chose to be in relationship with us. Uh, it, when, the, when the triune God said in Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. In essence, what he was saying by those words is this. Let us create beings with whom we can share close fellowship, close relationship with together. And so we go on to read how God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. And then that chapter closes out with these words, and behold, it was very good. Man and woman were in relationship with the God of all creation. Unfortunately, though, Adam and Eve succumbed to, to Satan's temptation, and, 
and chose to disobey and rebel. And this eruption of sin resulted in a broken relationship with God. But even then, God still chose to love the people he had created. And so he determined a plan and then promptly made a promise based upon that plan where he would one day send a savior who would redeem those who he had made and then restore them in their relationship with him. Well, the unfolding of God's plan of salvation began with the establishing of a relationship with a single individual, which would then in time expand to include an entire nation, the descendants of this one man, which would then be expanded to include everyone, including you and me. That single individual was a man named Abram, more commonly known to us as, say it, Abraham. And so we, we come, uh, we, we pick up in Genesis chapter 12 where we read this. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country to the land that I will show you. And this would one day become the promised land. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now, two, two generations later, two generations after Abraham, we come to Jacob and his descendants. Jacob was the grandson of Abraham. And by this point in time, his family numbered a mere 70 individuals. Well, a widespread famine came across the land, which wound up bringing this family to Egypt, where the Pharaoh at that time was favorable toward them, giving them even the best land in Egypt. Well, during the next two centuries, Abraham's descendants grew to such a number that a later pharaoh considered them to be such a military threat that he decided to subject them to slavery. Nonetheless, faithful to his promise, God raised up a deliverer known to us as Moses, who not only led the children of Israel out of Egypt, but then through the wilderness all the way to the promised land, the land that God had promised to Abraham some 600 years earlier. And just as the Israelites were about to take possession of the land, Moses exhorts them in the words of our Old Testament lesson today to be a people who was different, set apart, from all the people groups that they would encounter in the land around them. And then Moses explains why they should be different, which brings us to our text. Moses says, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are here on the face of the earth. And it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. 
for you were the fewest of all the peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers. My friends, this was the radical, countercultural, counterintuitive nature of God's covenant with Abraham and his descendants. Rather than their being chosen on the basis of performance, they were chosen simply on the basis of love. They had no resume worth noting. They had no credentials worthy of greatness. They had no skill to, to merit them a place on a team. In fact, like Adam and Eve, their performance included rebellion, disobedience, a 40-year timeout in the desert. Fortunate for them, performance was not the reason for their being chosen. They were chosen based upon love. They were chosen based upon pure, selfless, counterintuitive love. A love that was devoted even when they were unlovable. Even when there was no reason to love them. Even when they were, there were only good reasons to abandon them. Yet still, God chose them anyway. Choice based upon love is so radical that at times it's hard even for God's people to this day to believe it. I mean, you see this, this struggle even among uh, Christians today. It's the difference between what we might refer to as religion and the gospel. Religion says, I obey, therefore I am chosen. Or, I am good, therefore I am loved by God. But the gospel says, I am chosen, therefore I follow. I am loved by God, therefore I serve, I worship, I witness, I work. If one is chosen based upon performance, they either become arrogant or, or fearful. Fearful because you're afraid that maybe you've, never, you've not performed well enough. I mean, people get crushed by the pressure to perform, to, to be good enough for God. And when things go wrong, they begin to wonder, could it be if, because of something that I did or, or did not do? I mean, is it possible that I've done something to tick God uh, off? Am I good enough for him? Is, is he somehow out to get me? Is he punishing me? And every time they mess up, they wonder if God may even ultimately unchoose them. My friends, if you have ever operated under this assumption that you're chosen based upon your performance, if you've been held captive by arrogance or fear, then here is something that you need to hear, not only with the ears of your head, but the ears of your heart. As, as God said through Abraham, it was not because of your greatness that you were chosen. It was not your performance, your looks, your achievements, your skills, your cuteness, or your lovability. Rather, it is because the Lord set his love on you and chose you. 
you are chosen by love, not by performance. In fact, I want you to think about this a little bit further. On your worst day, when you were your weakest, when you were your ugliest, when you were your most unlovable, on your worst day with your greatest sin, your darkest moment, your most scandalous secret, that is exactly when God loved you. The Apostle Paul writes, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we have no defense and and no achievements, when all we have are are empty hands and, and a broken spirit, when we're looking for a reason to be God's chosen, the reason ends in love. God's love ends all reasons. Simply the unfailing, steadfast, long-suffering, self-sacrificing love found deep in the heart of the Father, shown to us in Christ. This is the gospel, pure and simple. But I'm not finished yet. I want you to go back to those days of choosing up teams. I want you to think of somebody like the name Timmy or little Sally that we all know. Here they are, they showed up again and one of us is going to get stuck having to choose them on our team. But all of a sudden, the captain, the best of the best, does something radical. Rather than choose based upon skill or performance, this captain decides to choose from the heart. This captain decides to choose someone who's not known for being athletic or fast or tall or big or strong or great or popular. In fact, this kid was one that neither team really wanted. Yet the captain chooses them. And to everyone else, the choice seems so, so counterintuitive. But put yourself in the shoes of little Timmy or little Sally. To that kid, to be chosen means everything. And once the game begins, he or she plays like never before with with more determination than all the rest, not because they're the best, but because they were chosen. All because they were chosen not because of skill. My friends, when you realize that God, realize that God chooses you based solely on love, not performance, I'm telling you, it changes your life. You want to play for keeps. You live humbly out of gratitude, not out of arrogance. You live courageously, out of confidence, not out of fear. And herein lies the greatest freedom and joy for living. To know that God has called us to be his treasured possession, that he values us above all else, and that he willingly gave his all for us through his son, Jesus Christ. 
that we might be his even unto everlasting life. I like something that I once read from Max Licato. You might be familiar with him. Christian author. He, he once wrote, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If he had a wallet, your photo would be in it. Face it, friend. He is crazy about you. The Christian group Casting Crowns, perhaps you're familiar with them, sings the song, Who Am I? Which contains the words, not because of who I am, but because of what you've done. Not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. You've told me who I am. I am yours. My dear friends, God chose you for no other reason than this. He loves you. What a blessed way to go through life. Amen? And now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding, may it keep our hearts and our minds through our faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.